So we're in the month of February. Uh, we're already almost 10% the way done with the year 2019. That sounded pretty crazy to me. I mean, it, it barely even feels like we're just getting started in 2019, but here we are almost 10% the way done with 2019. And I'm hoping, I don't know about you guys, but I'm hoping that the month of February will bring about some warmer weather. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm sure, I'm sure we can all agree on that. And it won't be hard. It won't be hard to bring about warmer weather as it's been, it's been quite chilly, especially for Ms. Jamie over there from the south. It's been quite an adjustment for her. So I feel as if February is a time where people like to focus on relationships because coming up next week, we have Valentine's Day. Yes, Valentine's Day. It's the time of the year where nobody likes to be single. And truth of the matter is some couples don't even like Valentine's Day as Jamie doesn't like Valentine's Day and Surely that can't be a good reflection on me, that my wife does not like Valentine's Day. Maybe I have some work to do there. But, but February, Valentine's Day, it's all a good time to focus on relationships because it seems as if the world itself is so consumed with relationships because of Valentine's Day. And so with that being said, we are going to start a three-week series called Relationship Status. Over these next three weeks, we're going to be talking about three of the most important relationships in your life. This morning, we're going to be talking about the relationship with yourself. Next week, we'll be talking about relationship with others. And in, three, in two weeks, we'll be talking about relationship with God. And now the Bible is a book all about relationships. It's filled with relationships and instructs us in how we are to relate to God and instructs us in how we relate to relate to one another, and it instructs us in how we are to relate to ourselves. It's a book all about relationships, and everyone has a relationship with themselves, and this morning we're going to take a biblical look approach as to what the relationship with ourselves should look like. How should we relate to ourselves? How should we view ourselves? And we're going to focus on how we can love ourselves correctly. Not too much, not too little, but just right. How we can love ourselves correctly. And to help seek out what our relationship uh, with ourselves should look like, we're going to go ahead and take a look at in the book of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, you can uh, turn to the book of Mark, just the second gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Uh, we're going to go ahead and look in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. And these verses are going to kind of be the theme passage for this year's relationship status, as this passage is all about relationships. And to give you a little background, I like to give you guys background as to what is going on in the story, so I don't just throw you in the middle of a story that you guys have some sort of context and understanding as to what is taking place here. So Jesus was confronted by a group of Jews, and for the most part, the Jews and Jesus did not get along very well. Or I guess I should say the Jews didn't get along very well with Jesus. And a lot of people give the, the Jews grief about it, but for me personally, I... I I seem to understand where the Jews are coming from because these Jews, they're waiting for the promised Messiah for 2,000 years. 
They're waiting for man to come to save them from their trials, their persecutions. As Brian mentioned early in the devotion to the communion, the weight that we have on our shoulders, the Jews were waiting 2,000 years for this Messiah to come, to take the weight off of their shoulders, their Savior, their Messiah. They're waiting a long, long time. And there were many, many people claiming to be that Messiah, but they all proved to be false messiahs. And then all of a sudden, this guy named Jesus comes along, and he claims to be the Messiah. So I can kind of understand why the Jews questioned Jesus and why they maybe weren't accepting of him right away, because there were lots of people who came before them who claimed to be the Messiah, but they all proved to be false messiahs. So the Jews always tried to question Jesus when they could. They just did not get along very well with Jesus. And so the Jews were trying to stump Jesus. And so they asked him two questions. The Pharisees got together and they asked Jesus, Jesus, shall we pay taxes to Caesar? They're thinking, surely we can stump him on this one. But Jesus brilliantly responds, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God's. And the Sadducees, a different group of Jews, are sitting over there. Oh, you, you guys can't stump Jesus. Well, leave it to us. Now, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And you can remember that because the Sadducees are sad because they don't believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees are sad. And so the Sadducees asked about marriage and regarding the resurrection, whether there'll be marriage and the resurrection. But they were asking that because they didn't even believe in the resurrection. But again... Jesus promptly answers their questions. And Jesus basically says that Yahweh is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living. So here are these groups of Jews. They're trying to stump Jesus with these tricky questions, but Jesus answered them brilliantly. And then another scribe with pure intentions, he heard Jesus respond to those two questions. And so the scribe with pure intentions asked Jesus a question. This is where we pick up. In Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? So now there are like 614 commandments in the Old Testament. And this, the question that this scribe was asking was huge. Which commandment out of all of these commandments is the most important? And Jesus answered, The most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher, you have truly said that. He is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him, Jesus, any more questions. So here the scribe asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment out of all of these commandments in the Old Testament, which is the single most important commandment. And Jesus said the most important commandment is basically to love God. And we'll get into that in in two weeks here is our relationship with God. That is the most important commandment. 
Now, a careful thing to notice here as well is the scribe didn't ask Jesus, what are the two most important commandments? The scribe asked simply, what is the singular most important commandment? And Jesus answered that by saying, loving God. But Jesus could not withhold the information of the second greatest commandment. And that second greatest commandment out of all the commandments is to love your neighbor as what? Yourself. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. And again, next week we're going to be talking about loving our neighbors, loving others, our relationships with others. But how many of you guys think that Jesus, God, they don't really want us to really love one another? How many of you guys think that? No? Nobody? Okay. How many of you guys think that Jesus doesn't really want me to love on all of you guys? No. That's foolish. That's foolish. We all know better than that. Of course, Christ, when Christ was saying that, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself, he was instructing the scribe to love your neighbor. And so what that means is we must love ourselves. We must love ourselves. We're to love our neighbors as what? Ourselves. You're to love your neighbor as yourself. And so in order to follow this commandment, you must, one, love God, two, love others, but three, you must love yourself. You are to have a rich love for yourself because you are to love your neighbors as yourself. And this is, this is hard for a lot of us to do, to have a sincere, rich, godly love for ourselves. But let me tell you, we have great, great reason to love ourselves. We have great reason to love ourselves. So we're going to take a look this morning uh, in the book of Genesis, all the way in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. And we'll be seeing why we have reason, why we have proof to love ourselves. And so in Genesis 1, it's, it's the story, we all, we all probably familiar with Genesis 1, the story of creation. In Genesis 1, the account of creation, God formed the earth in six days and he rested the seventh. On the first day, God created light. On the second day, God separated the waters and called it sky. On the third day, God created dry ground and he created the bodies of water and plants. And on the fourth day, God created the sun, moon, and all the other stars. On the fifth day, he created the fish and the birds. And last but not least, on the sixth day, God created land animals, which includes us. And so in six days, God created the world. He formed th this earth. In six days, and six times, God saw that, the, that his creation was good. He said six times in Genesis 1, we can see six times where God said he saw his creation and he saw that it was good. God created a good earth, a good world, a good heavens. God is a good creator. And he saw it six times and saw that it was good. And so we pick up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening And there was morning, the sixth day. So after God created the earth in six days, he said it six times prior that the earth was good, his creation was good. But after he was finished with it all, he looked upon his creation and he saw that it was not good, not just good, but it was very good. It was very good. You are a part of a very good creation. When the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything that's in it, the plants, the trees, the water, the buildings, us humans, everything, every animal, when he says that the earth was good, you better believe, you better believe it. When he said that it was very good, God created a very good world and you are a part of it. Now, some of you guys might be artists out there, and you can paint something or draw something or color something. You may look at your finished product, and sometimes you might go, eh, not not my favorite. But sometimes, you know, you go, yeah, that was good. You know know what I mean? How many artists do we have out there? A few. The artists maybe are a little. We, 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 We got a couple artists in here. Yeah, so you see a piece of art, and you go, yes, that is good. That is good. Now, I am not an art person at all. In fact, in first grade, it's embarrassing, but in first grade, I cried when I had art class. I hated art. And I never created something via art and was like, wow, that looks good. And I, I, I can't relate to that. Well, actually, I created that. I think that looks pretty good. Yeah, okay, okay. So I, I guess I can understand a bit but no, I'm not too much into art, but for those of you, men, a lot of men probably aren't into art too much, but you might be more into yard work. I like to do yard work, and back when I uh, lived with my parents, I would often be stuck doing the yard work, but I enjoyed it, and it was all right. And after the yard was finished, after I mowed and trimmed and edged and pulled the weeds, I looked at that yard, and that was one good-looking yard. And I'm sure some of you guys out there understand completely as to what I'm talking about. Some of the times, it was looking so good that I had to take a picture of it. And oftentimes, I would send it to Jamie, like, look, you're, you're marrying a good landscaper here. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. So I could understand when God said that his creation was very good. But again, when the creator of the heavens and the earth says that his creation was very good, you better believe it. You better believe that his creation was very good. And you are a part of that very good creation. And that gives you worth. That gives you value. That is reason enough to love yourself. Because you are a part of God's very good creation. But the story doesn't stop there either. We write in Genesis 1.27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
See, now in the ancient Hebrew and ancient Greek, which are the languages that were composed of the Bible, they didn't have punctuation marks. See, in the English language, when we, when we want to exclaim something, when we want to pronounce something, we just simply use an exclamation point and we go, yeah, we, we really mean this. But they didn't have that in the Hebrew and Greek language. So when they really wanted to exclaim something, all they would simply do was repeat it. And if they really, really wanted to pronounce it, they would repeat it twice. And that's why often you see the angels uh, being described as saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Because God isn't just holy, he's holy, holy, holy. He's the most holy of holies. That's how they distinguished something was extraordinary, was by repeating it. And here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, three times we see that God created us, created you in his image. That is powerful. That is powerful. That the, that the God who created everything in this world created you in his image. The Lord of everything created you in his image. That gives you power. That gives you value. That gives you worth. That is reason enough for you to love yourself. You are created in God's image. And in the New Living Translation in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it explicitly states that you are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. So here we see that God created this good earth. He said that six times. And after he was finished creating the earth, he said that it was very good. And then he created you in his image. And on top of that, in this very good creation, you are the masterpiece. You are the masterpiece to God's very good creation. Folks, we have reason to love ourselves. We are valued. We have value. We have worth as God's children. We have value. We have power in that we can love ourselves because of the, what the Bible describes about us. And now many of us may think that, no, I, I, I can't love myself because of what I've done or what I did in the past or what I do currently. Well, guess what? God is the one, one being out there that you can't hide anything from. He knows your every thought. He knows every hair, hair on your head. He knit you in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. But here's the good news. God still loves you. God still loves you. Romans 5, 8 states that, for God showed us love. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We just, we just celebrated communion. We, we remembered what Christ did on that cross. That was God's love for you. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so even though you have, we, we all have sin in our past, whatever it may be, your worth does not come from what you did, do, or have done. That is so, so, and wrong. And that is a problem that so many people struggle with. It, it's just, it's, it's knitted into our society. Often when we introduce ourselves to another we, we associate our, our occupation with who we are. We say, hi, I am blank, and I am a blank. Hi, I am Kyle, and I'm a pastor. Hi, I am Jen, and I'm a stay-at-home mom. Hi, I am Grace, and I'm a student. 
Hi, I'm Karen, and I'm a teacher. Hi, I'm John, and I'm retired. We often assimilate who we are as to what we do. That's just normal in our culture, normal in our society. And that's why I think so many people struggle with finding their value in what they do. But that is so wrong. We need to find our value in not what we do, but in whose we are. We need to find our value in whose we are. And we are God's children. We are the masterpiece to his very good creation. We are created in his image. That gives us value. If you struggle with loving yourself, remember those things. Remember that God created you in his image. God created a very good earth, and you are the masterpiece to that. Don't doubt God either when he says that you are his masterpiece. Don't doubt God when he says that this earth is a very good earth, is a very good creation. You are the masterpiece, and you have so much reason You have so much reason when you open this book, when you open God's word, you have so much reason to believe that you have value, that you are loved. God loves you. So start seeing yourself through God's eyes. God thinks you're a masterpiece. God views you as his lovely children. God views you as someone he created in his own image. You have so much reason to love yourself. And this principle of loving yourself is so important. It is so important that we see Jesus kind of include this in the two greatest commandments, that you must love your neighbors as yourself. And this is so important. And you may ask why. And I think that it's because it's impossible to love others if you don't love yourself. I think it's impossible, impossible to love others if you don't love yourself. Now, I've heard that before, and when I first heard that, I I, kind of questioned it. I was like, well, well, surely someone who doesn't love themselves can love others. But to help demonstrate that this morning, we're going to do a quick illustration. Jamie, can you hand me my bag? I need two volunteers, and these volunteers need to love Mountain Dew. Two volunteers who love Mountain Dew. Trevor, I saw your hand. Come on up. One other volunteer who loves Mountain Dew. (laughs) Shannon, you love Mountain Dew? (laughs) Come on, come on. Mountain Dew, it's, it's the best pop, not soda, pop out there. One other volunteer. Ben? Okay, come on up, Mark. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yeah. I saw you getting a little drowsy up there with me preaching. Yep, yep. So here I have two fresh cans, ice-cold cans of Mountain Dew. They were sitting in my fridge all night, and when I got here early in this morning, I put them in the fridge. So these suckers are nice, fresh, cold and it will I think it'll hit just the spot for the two of you you guys believe me yes I think it will hit just the spot so we're going to go ahead and open these and we're going to drink it now try not to make a mess because our clean lady is here and I can see her staring deep into my soul so don't make a mess or else I'll get in trouble and I don't feel like getting in trouble right now so here we have two ice 
cold things of Mountain Dew. Ah, refreshing. All right, Trevor, I'll, I'll give you your sip first. Take a sip of that nice, refreshing. Good? You like it? Did it hit just the spot? Uh-huh. All right, Mark, here you go. Have this nice, refreshing uh-huh. can of Mountain Dew. Go ahead, take a sip. How was it? Empty. Empty? <laughs> what? Empty? You didn't like it? No, sir. You didn't like it? No. You didn't like the Mountain Dew that I have, but you, you liked it, right? You liked the Mountain Dew? Thank you very much. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. And Mark, I know your heart is probably distraught that I gave you an empty can, so here you go. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, volunteers. Yes, yes. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> So here I had a full can of Mountain Dew to give Trevor. I had Mountain Dew myself to give to Trevor. However, when it came to Mark, I didn't have any Mountain Dew myself to give Mark. I gave Mark an empty can of Mountain Dew. Why? Because I didn't have any to begin with. I didn't have any Mountain Dew myself to give Mark. And so when we talk about loving others, you can't love others if you don't have any love for yourself. You can't give what you don't have. That's the simple mathematics. You can't give what you don't have. If you don't have love for yourself, then you can't love others. It's impossible. It's impossible to love others if you don't love yourself. And this is why the principle of loving yourself is so, so important. Because God and Christ, they value loving one another. We'll talk about that next week. They value loving one another so much. And you can't do that. You can't do that if you don't love yourself. It's, it's simple. You can't. And for those of you who might be discouraged at this moment, I, I, I just want to encourage you. There is so much reason. There is so much reason for you to love yourself. Just open up your Bible. You'll see it all over the place. You have value. You are the masterpiece to God's very good creation. You are created in God's image. You are a child of God. That gives you value. That gives you worth. You can truly love yourself. If you look at a biblical approach, that you can love yourself. That's my prayer to you all who struggle with loving yourself. It's my prayer that, that, you, that you view yourself as God views you as, you, as a beloved child, as a masterpiece. I pray that you can see yourself like that so that you can truly love one another. Because when you love yourself, that enables you to love one another. It enables you to love your neighbor. It enables you to fulfill the second greatest commandment in all the world. But it's simple. You can't fulfill that if you don't love yourself. A lack of self-love is seen as the root of all sorts of issues, ranging from depression to bullying to obesity to anorexia to having a low self-image, to being just unloving to others. You get the picture. There are so many issues that are associated with having a low self-love, a lack of self-love. There are so many issues. 
And every single person who has a lack of self-love is in a state of hurting. They're in a state of hurting. Now, Jamie likes to watch the crime shows, and I find myself watching them with her once in a while. And there are some bad people in these shows who do some awful things to other people. And I've discovered one similarity in all of these people, in all of these shows, in all the world. One similarity between all these awful people who do harm unto others. That one, I heard they're psychopaths, that's maybe true for some, but not all of them are psychopaths. The one similarity between all of these people who cause harm unto other people is that they're in a state of hurting. Next time you watch one of those crime shows or whatever you like to watch and you see someone hurting others, I bet you, I bet you that they are in a state of hurting themselves. That's what hurt people do. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people don't love people. Hurt people love people. And when you lack that self-love, not all hurt people hurt people, but hurt people do hurt people. And when you lack that self-love, you are in a state of hurting and that can lead you to hurting others. And I know you don't want that. I know you don't want to hurt others, but when you are in a state of hurting, you hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people don't love people. That's that's just how we function. Hurt people hurt people. And so this principle of loving yourself is so, so, so important. You need to love yourself. If you have a lack of self-love, I encourage you to seek out love for yourself. Seek out help from God to help, to help you love yourself because it is so important. Lots of people struggle with the lack of self-love. If, if, and again, if you're feeling discouraged right now, you, there are lots of people who struggle with a lack of self-love. But there, there is help. There's encouragement found in God's word. There's encouragement found in our brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to help you. We want to help. We're called to care for one another. I don't want you to continue in the current state if you are lacking self-love because let me tell you, you are loved. You are loved. God loves you. And you need to love yourself as well. And so a lot of people struggle with this issue of not loving themselves enough. But just for a a very brief moment, we're going to be talking about the opposite side of the spectrum. Those who love themselves maybe too much. And in general, this is a, a very vague generalization. In general, more women struggle with not loving themselves enough. And more men struggle with loving themselves too much. Again, this does not apply to everybody. But just in general, more more females struggle with not loving themselves enough. And more males struggle with loving themselves too much. So this is something that, again, we're just going to briefly look at. If we look in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, we'll have to see what Paul has to say about this. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Paul states, Do nothing. 
from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Here Paul clearly states, do nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. And we are to humbly count others more significant than yourself. God detests the proud. Proverbs 16.5 states, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. My, 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 my main focus this morning was for those people who may struggle with the lack of self-love. But there is a problem of having too much self-love. Yes, you are the masterpiece to God's very good creation. And yes, you are God's chosen children. And yes, you are created in his image. You have that power. But guess what? Take a look around the room. Everybody else in this room has that same power, has that same value, has that same worth. So don't count yourself more significant than others. In fact, Paul says on the contrary, to count everyone else more significant than yourself. And then I I think that will help you focus on loving yourself, not too little, not too much, but loving yourself correctly, loving yourself just much, just right. You need to view yourself in God's eyes. You are a part of his very good creation. In fact, you're the masterpiece. I want to drill that in your head. You are the masterpiece to God's very good creation. And he made you in his image. And you are a chosen child of God. You have power. You have reason to love yourself. But same does everybody else in this room. So don't get a big head on your shoulders. Because everybody else in this world has the same power, has the same reason to love themselves. Everybody in this world should love themselves. Everybody in this world should love others, should count others more significant than themselves. That is the correct way to love yourself. According to the Bible, a biblical approach is to love yourself, but to count others more significant than yourself. That is a true biblical approach in how we can relate to ourselves. That is how we need to love ourselves. That you have power, you have value, you have worth, God loves you. But also a careful indication also that we have to consider is that God loves everyone else just as much. God made everyone else in his image just as much as you're made in his image. You're just as much part of that masterpiece of God's creation as your neighbor. God loves you. God loves those around you. So love yourself because God loves you. Start viewing yourself in how God views yourself. Let's pray. Father God, I just uh, thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to present your word, present your message. Father, it's, it's my prayer this morning that we as a church, as a body of believers, that we can learn to love ourselves. That, Father, if there's someone in this room, if there's someone listening to this message who struggles with the lack of self-love, Father, it's my prayer that you put it on their heart that they have value, that you show them they have value, they have worth, and that you love them. Father, we just thank you so much for the free gift of your Son, 
whom you sent to die on behalf of our sins. And Father, we thank you so much because that shows us that you love us and in turn we can love ourselves as well. We thank you so much for all the many blessings that you pour out unto each and every one of us. And we love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.